All right, welcome to the Gridiron Show, back on Radio Row, heading to Super Bowl 57. Uh, day three on Radio Row, day two on Radio Row. This is ridiculous. How is it only day two? Three podcasts in a row, Will. We're, we're getting there. You'd honestly start to think that after you know, years of doing this, that you'd, you'd kind of get a little bit used to it at this point and <laughs> just... It's all right. We'll have a nice, calm night tonight, and everything will be fine again. Uh, will Gavin, Mike McQuaid here as well. Mike, how are you feeling? How are you doing post media party? Media party was fine. You know, it was a very chilled <laughs> evening. Uh, it was on a farm, so I felt it, it felt like it, it felt like a so you'd gone to somebody else's wedding reception. It was it was like a little bit of home, like in the summertime. It was lovely, and, and the food was nice. The the water was lovely. There was cigars, and there was also fried cactus, which I. Had to convince my wife was real. And uh, yeah, a really, really good night. I don't think you're ever going to top last year, but it was great crack. Mike McQuaid, of course, as an Irishman, in the fact that it was like, what, four degrees outside, came wearing a short-sleeved white shirt, and everyone was like, are you not cold? He's like, I'm Irish, I'm fine. Like Every single I did person. Not, I, I did not say that. Yeah, oh, you did, a number of times, particularly after you've got a beer jacket on, and you'd love to see it. Let's talk some professional things, though, but let's <laughs> pretend like we're actually, you know, out here doing work. Delighted to say uh, that one of the core members of PFF is with us. I'm sure you follow him on Twitter, and if you don't already, what the are you doing with your life Sam Monson how are you doing sir I'm doing well how about you guys yeah I mean I'm, I'm having a whale of a time it's, just, it's it's different for like I know you know a lot of the, the guys from over in the UK and, and for us there's kind of a quite a small community of people in the UK who like cover the sport week sure. in week out like fully uh, it, it kind of ingrained in it and so we all know each other and we'll see each other at all the events and it's like getting to come out here and chat to guys like you and get to chat to all the people we get down here and going out for drinks and talking about football instead of our football and like it this is like our Christmas and Thanksgiving and Hanukkah and everything rolled into one to be honest so we're having a great time I mean it's fun for everybody I think like even even us who are obviously over here and do a lot of the events and things here there are only you know two or three of these events a year where the whole world for, that's covering the NFL ends up getting shoehorned into one giant you know warehouse room together and then supercharged with the Super Bowl because you get all the people coming in that are you know selling whatever it is they're selling and doing the interviews and doing the rounds and stuff it's it's kind of crazy and it is fun that you get to see people that you don't see pretty much the rest of the year at all you know, except for these couple of events. It's, it's funny, we were talking to um, to Eric Eager earlier, who obviously used to be with you guys, yeah. and now off doing his own own thing. And so sent The late Dr. Eric yeah. Eager, according <laughs> to our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Excellent. But well, we had Neil Hornsby on our show maybe 11 years yeah. ago or so. At that point, PFF was starting to get a real reputation and starting to, like, the first teams in the league were starting to pay attention to it. But to see what it's done over, like, the last 11, 12 years is, is mad. And then you guys are out here, you've got your podcast there, you've got... It's like... It's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it is crazy. I mean, PFF has had a lot of kind of change in the last few years, and it's sort of led to some introspection and, and uh, you know, reminiscence and all that kind of stuff. And it is crazy. I mean, I was one of the first guys in the door, obviously Neil, the founder. Um, but any of us that sort of remember those early days of, like, AGMs in Neil's front room, you know, <laughs> in, in Loon somewhere. Um, and we all the, – the weird thing is, is kind of without sort of – tooting our own horn is how sort of accurate the 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 dream was like we we knew a lot of this stuff was possible we we talked about you could sell this stuff to agents to teams to media we kind of had the right idea we just had no earthly idea how we were ever going to get there um and we're nowhere near getting there at the time it was just all a pipe dream 
But to sort of see going from there to where it is now where, you know, all 32 teams buy into it, 100-plus FBS programs. I think we were at 29 FCS programs. All the media, all the people were talking. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, it, it, there's no reason this should have happened. It's nuts. Go on. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the great thing about Simon said it last night, it actually had everybody here. It's one thing speaking on Zoom, but actually chatting in person. I guess looking at, you know, going to try and look at the Eagles just in this podcast do you buy into any of this situation where we don't really know if Jalen Hurts is 100% fit? And, you know, what's your thoughts in terms of if he is 80%? I know it's a Super Bowl, but if he has to get a shot on Saturday, do you buy into that at all in terms of his ability to do something on Sunday? Yeah, I don't think he is 100% fit. Um, I think he said that. I mean, sometimes you hear that where guys say, yeah, you know, nowhere near 100%. It's just kind of... Yeah. They're saying it because you say it and because it also kind of gives you a built-in excuse if you don't play at your best. But since he's come back from the shoulder injury, I don't think he's looked quite like the same guy. And I think we sort of assume he is healthy because they keep running him into linebackers and you know using him as part of the design run game. But passing hasn't looked the same since he came back. And I think both quarterbacks are playing this game less than 100%. But one of them obviously gets his ankle and it was a, a really obvious sort of bad injury that was hobbling him. So it, it gets all the focus. But I do think Jalen Hurts not being 100% is is a factor in this game. And it's potentially a huge factor but depending on how the, the kind of the, the game script goes. Like if, if Kansas City scores a couple of times early and all of a sudden Jalen Hurts has to be a different guy than he's been the last couple of games, that's potentially completely transformative for how this whole game goes. Yeah. It, it, you're certainly, you're absolutely right. I think there's part of me, though, that... <laughs> Yeah, we were talking to Gardner Minshew on Monday. The guy ran the offense fine between the 20s when he came in. But you get into the red zone and you take away that threat that Jalen Hurts is going to run the ball. Their efficiency, everything they do there just drops off nearly entirely. And so you kind of need him out there even if he's not 100%. Sure to make sure that you can do everything you want to be doing, particularly in those areas. Yeah, I mean, both quarterbacks, it's the same story. They're going to be playing less than 100%, but you have to go down quite a large percentage before you're better off doing anything else. You know, like... Let's put a number on it. What is the percentage that Patrick Mahomes has to be at for Chad Henney to come? That's what we were asking. Like 50% of Mahomes is probably still a better option than Chad Henney playing an entire Super Bowl. It really is. Like that's how good Patrick Mahomes is. And I think you're talking a similar idea with Jalen Hurts. Like if he's 75% healthy, it's a better option than having Minshew out there. And Minshew's a good backup quarterback. Mm -hmm. But because of what you said, his rushing threat completely changes the whole offense. It's funny because, like you know, the, the, the Eagles led the league in takeaways for a lot of the season, but they've really tailed off. And you sort of think like, getting two weeks off as well. Now I'm I'm really in- interested to see how far they come back this week and how fresh they actually are because there have been times in the last, especially not not just in the playoffs, but in like the last couple of weeks of the season where you're thinking, can they really go all the way? And that's what I'm really want, I'm really looking forward to seeing that on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I think the problem with turnovers is they're generally a kind of transient thing they come and go it's not that often you can consistently be really good at turning at taking away the ball at creating turnovers and all those kinds of things you they just come and go so if you've got a team that's you can kind of uh, maximize your chances of it if you're going to be a team that gets a ton of pressure like the eagles do that's huge if you have a bunch of guys that are uh, good ball hawks in the secondary that's a big thing as well but sometimes those turnovers are just going to go away they're not going to come back again you're just going to need to rely on 
the component elements that were creating turnovers being useful in and of themselves. Uh, the problem is with that is that I spent the whole year telling the Eagles supporters in my life, Darren Bent and TalkSport, Ollie Wilson on our call this weekend, that, yeah, but your defense is so predicated on these turnovers. That's not something that is sustainable. It's going to be found out eventually, and now they're in the Super Bowl. So, uh, in theory, yeah, that's all right. But, yeah, you end up looking silly if you try and, uh, try and go against it. For you guys, in the way that you do grade the games and the way that you, you follow the players, is there somebody on that side of the ball who you think maybe is... <laughs> I'm going to say being under-talked about. It's difficult on Super Bowl week because right. we're here talking about the game for six straight days and so every nook and cranny gets picked apart. But is there somebody on that side of the ball who you think, why aren't we talking about Avante Maddox or Kyrie, whoever it might be? I think those two edge rushers are real keys to this game. Brandon Graham and Hassan Reddick. Obviously, they're important players. They're big parts of it. But not only are they really good players, but I think they're stylistically bad matchups for the Kansas City offensive tackles. Like, Brandon Graham... You know, I don't know if you guys were at the opening night thing. If you said Brandon Graham's a small guy, he is not big. He's short. He's low to the ground. He's stocky. That's a really difficult body type for somebody like Orlando Brown, this big, looming offensive tackle to try and get down and contend with. And Hassan Reddick is a similar kind of thing. This is an undersized edge rusher, a guy that was so small when he came into the NFL. They tried to make him an off-the-ball linebacker before realizing you put him back on the edge, just let him do what he does. But again, that's a, a fast, small guy that's going to cause somebody like Wiley all kinds of problems. I think the Eagles are probably going to get pressure off both edges, which could be an issue. Fast, small, and powerful. Like if you're the Chiefs, how do we saw, I mean, everyone dug out the 49ers for leaving in a backup tight end into block, actually a blocking tight end, as you know, uh, as in that team, but to try and block somebody in Sam Reddick, who a lot of people thought maybe could have been an all-pro, certainly should have been in that conversation. I think was second team, yeah. but uh, if you're the Eagles and you see, if you're the, sorry, Chiefs and you're seeing that and you're seeing that your tackles are, like you say, stylistically bad matchup, I just feel like Andy Reid is the kind of coach who will not ignore that and we'll figure out a way to either slow them down or put extra bodies in or, or find some way to offset that because if you don't I think it's a it's almost game set and matches from that matchup alone yeah but the other thing is you know you've got Patrick Mahomes even even a hobbled Patrick Mahomes is still a different prospect than Brock Purdy you know what I mean like he understands how to deal with that even if it becomes a huge problem like mm. Mahomes generally is one of these quarterbacks that tends to drop sort of deeper than he's supposed to. You know, mm -hmm. you're supposed to kind of drop down to seven yards. He'll drop to eight, nine, ten, drop out of the bottom of the pocket almost. And whether he leans into that and kind of keeps dropping back to buy himself a little bit more time or whether you suddenly see him kind of adjust and he starts stepping up into the pocket in a way he doesn't normally, he just has that presence and that ability to understand, you know, what kind of movements are going to be required to get away from that. Whereas Brock Purdy... He might be able to ad lib and sort of run around and scramble, but it, it's not. It's it's an awful lot less like directioned. It's much more chaotic and off the cuff. I still to this day remember the play from from the Super Bowl uh, against the 49ers, the Super Bowl they won, where that drop back on right. that play. I mean, it looked like he went about 15 steps, and we were directly above it where we were in the in the kind of uh, radio booth and. Actually, we spoke to DeForest Buckner two off-seasons later when he was at the Colts at that point. And he's like, you, you know I was like within a, a fingertip of him. And DeForest Buckner has the photo of him being that close to Patrick Mahomes on that play on his wall as motivation to be better every day. But it just shows, like, like you said, it just, he, he has that knack about him where he just knows, right, I, the pressure's coming on this. It's third and long. They're going to bring yeah. it. 
I'm going to drop that bit deeper. That's going to give Tyreek Hill the time to develop the play. And yeah, we all know what happened. Buckner, uh, Buckner, I think, still has the record for the largest hands ever measured at the Combine, which is interesting for two things. One, because of that, right? You, you literally, the furthest the guy's ever been able to reach, you were still just out of the way. But number two, Steve, the guy that I do the podcast with, his hands are bigger than DeForest Buckner's. <laughs> I mean, I've seen, obviously, we've had Steve on before. I've seen him on Radio Row. I'd never realized that he had hands like that. That's amazing. I shook Sean Merriman's hand today, and I thought, (laughs) and I genuinely, I'm a big guy, and my hand, like, disappeared in his. My my life at these things is is people being surprised that I'm not five foot two because I only ever get seen next to Steve (laughs) where I look like a child. We had on Julian Love, the the giant safety today. Mm -hmm. It's like, look, at all times, I need to be standing next to an NFL defensive back for proper context. Me and him, normal sized people him not Steve is the <laughs> issue here I, actually on that point and I know we're still talking about the game and don't worry we'll get back to it Mike I feel <laughs> you itching to do it so you guys obviously like, talking about this a little bit earlier but you're grading players you're putting that out there into the world and whether they admit it or not players pay attention to that stuff sure. they, they hear that noise they, li- they look at their Madden ratings they look at their PFF scores they look at those things when you're then here and you're getting guys on on Radio Row, has there ever been like an awkward thing of like, uh, I think you should have given me more love for that? Or like you were saying earlier, well, you don't know what my assignments were, so how do you know I was bad on that play? I mean, we get that a lot. We had the, the guys from Bussin' with the Boys on yesterday, mm-hmm. Taylor Lewan and, and Will Compton, and they had a rumor a while ago on their show that PFF takes money for fixing grades, essentially, that agents and players pay money to, to get their grades boosted. So we had this big conversation with them, and we, we talked a lot about that. We talked about how the grading system works and all these kinds of things. And generally speaking, the kind of negative comments we get, whether it's that kind of crazy stuff or whether it's just more, you know, you don't know what you're doing type of stuff, it's, it's all about sort of ignorance of the process. And part of that's on us, right? We're not as transparent and open and, and good at explaining what it is we do than we should be or that we need to be to convince everybody. But generally speaking, the more we get the information and the data in front of people, the more we come out of these discussions and they go, yeah, okay, I, I get it. Maybe I disagree here or there, but I am much more amenable to the process. Like those guys went away a lot happier about PFF grades than they did coming into it. We've only ever had one meeting with like an, a sort of NFL official where they just, once we went through the stuff, they wanted no part of it. And they were just like, they were a particularly old and crusty member of the establishment that was just ripping into us from the start and wanted no part of like learning about anything, let alone being convinced. Those are quite strong words about Roger Goodell that he's just said there. <laughs> Hashtag old and crusty. Um, oh Open and night was was an interesting experience, Sam, to say the least. I mean, I can't compare it to anything in my life. Is that your first one? First one, uh, it was true. It was, it was oh, virtual. You were here ago. just on the Friday. Yeah, I came yeah, in for the media sure, party yeah. last year. But um, it's funny because Sirianni, I mean, the person that asked that question, you know, is what, what was it again? Like the... Oh, Dave Damashek doing his whole is, is it, it a must win game, game thing. Yeah. Like, I like is Dave. I think Dave's game. funny. <laughs> but, like, every year, it's so funny. It, that is media eating itself because the joke he's making is how stupid these things are, which they're so stupid that people then report what he's done as if it's a real thing. And it's just like, fuck, it's... Yeah. But it's the thing Dave, for me. Anyway. It's, it's the thing for me. I had to sit yesterday and I had to get a few sign bites from Sirianni's presser for, for the pod. And then I compared it to Andy Reid. 
Sirianni spoke at length for the guts of an hour and the detail in which he went into it was, in, was just nuts. And we all know his first press conference. I mean, how, mm. how impressed have you been in terms of how he's went from then to now and sitting here now a few days out from potentially winning the Super Bowl? Yeah, it's funny. That first press conference was brutal. <laughs> it, it sounded bad. Do, uh, do, do you know he showed that press conference to the players recently as an example of how we all get better every day by, like, Josh Sweat was telling us about it. Like, he literally put it up and went, look at this, look Good at how him. stupid I looked, yeah. but now we're in a Super Bowl, you know, that can be you if you keep working hard and keep doing your fundamentals. And so, you know. I mean, that's smart. Good for him because he has transformed himself. He sounded like he had no idea what he was doing in that opening press conference. And whether that was nerves or whether that was how, you know, out of sort of his depth he was at that point, he is a completely different guy now. And he's much more confident. He's much more assured with what he's doing. He's obviously in a great situation in Philadelphia. That combination of Howie Roseman and everything they've done I think sort of organizationally, the Eagles have done such a good job in the last few years of not just making correct decisions, but insulating themselves from the decisions that weren't correct. Like, that's part of this as well. They're a team where they've made mistakes. Like, they've made one of the worst mistakes in recent draft history by drafting Jalen Rager instead of Justin Jefferson. And it makes no difference because now they have Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. Like, they've done a really good job of protecting themselves from the mistakes that every NFL team makes and Sirianni is now the guy that gets to reap the rewards of that as the head coach it's, it's, it's almost that same humility and you have to as someone like Harry Roseman be able to say and he's a guy who has been humbled within that organization yeah that, you know, he was the general manager Chip Kelly comes in he gets basically kicked out to a shed out the back and told like you know we, we don't want to Cut your contract, but you know you're basically going to be doing like he might as well have come to you guys and start doing some grading because that's as much work as he was doing within the building, and then he's built himself back up and now they've gone to two Super Bowls. Like uh, being able to admit those mistakes and then fix them the, the way they've. I mean, sometimes other teams have made mistakes, like letting C.J. Gardner Johnson go for an absolute nothing when actually maybe just having him play this year on that rookie deal for one more year might have been a better idea for you. I just. He's got away with some stuff in a big way, but I love him for it. I was listening to Steve uh, on, on a different podcast, and I got a really good idea. I literally was going to copy the exact same thing because I've seen his face light up when it happened. We'd done a bold prediction podcast yesterday with Jeff Reinbold. Yeah, um, we did. Have you got any ridiculous bold prediction for the Eagles this weekend in terms of what they may or may not do? Hmm. Uh, I haven't really been thinking about crazy bold predictions. Um, somebody... We, somebody was wandering around here earlier, uh, getting every like every interviewing everybody about the prop bets for the uh, the game. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that they had one of them wrong because the question was, do you think uh, the opening kickoff will be a touchdown? So, well, no. <laughs> they said, oh, 99% of the public thinks it will. I'm like, do you mean touchback? Because that's an awful lot more likely. Touchdown, I think, would be an extremely bold prediction. Because as far as I'm aware, Devin Hester or Percy Harvin are not suiting up in this game. So that feels pretty unlikely. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of fascinated by this game because I think it will be, you know, a, a very close game. I can't see any scenario where the Eagles just dominate Phili uh, the Eagles dominate Kansas City I think there is a scenario where the opposite happens, though, where Kansas City gets up early and Philadelphia is just not equipped to play that kind of game. So I guess that would be my bold prediction, that Kansas City hits Philadelphia with the kind of shot they haven't been hit with yet this season, and they just end up running away with it, and the Eagles can't keep pace. Imagine that happen. Imagine it goes 14-zip, but then imagine Mahomes goes down. 
Panic <laughs> right. Panic Legacy Drive. This isn't WWE, mate. We don't <laughs> you're writing the storylines. Now, I, it's funny that you say that because I've actually been thinking about it all week. I don't see a world where they, the Eagles absolutely dominate them. And again, the, I know the callback health thing, so we're going repetitive on this and going back to it. But I have been all through the week, just the way that they are in the trenches, how good that offensive line is, how good that defensive line is, how good the rotation is. I do see a world where in the second half, when they're still fresh, when they're rotating guys in, when they've been beating up the Chiefs, I, I, I see a world where the Philadelphia do pull away a little bit, where they do, you know, seven, ten points, which isn't a blowout by any stretch. But I, I, that is, I see that as a real possibility more than I do a three-point game but it's probably I hope it's going to be a tight game maybe we get to see that, those overtime rules come into come into action oh, overtime in the playoffs <laughs> I mean that, this is the thing Like, obviously as a fan of a team in the AFC West and you've said it about four, three times already with Mahomes being hobbled even if he was fully fit or 20% you can never write him off because he could end up doing something like Spider-Man a ridiculous play and you just you're done. This is funny. We actually talking about that defensive line. We had a we had FA Abada on earlier, obviously British guy, and he's doing uh, the TV coverage this weekend. And uh, he, he literally was like, we asked him about the Eagles uh, defensive line, considering he's a in division guy who played them twice this year, beat them. Let's not forget to take away their O on their record. Uh, he was like, yeah, I'd love to play in that unit. I would love to be out there with those guys. I'd love to be in that rotation. Like, he got really passionate about it. Like, you know, <laughs> that's, that just shows you, like, there is a huge amount of respect for what they're doing from within the league as well. That's smart. He also uh, said defensive linemen are the most fun players on the team with the most character and that everyone loves them. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe we shouldn't believe everything he says. I, I, I prefer them to running backs, that's for sure. Well, Christian McCaffrey was running around here today. I and saw he, that, yeah. He was a busy man to get a hold of. He, I'm presuming he didn't get him in the end. Well, no. No. I followed him out when he went out to the back. It's nice that they were going to be willing to do it because of the podcast, but yeah, it's Sam should have said it. Um, anyway, who is going to win, Sam, on Sunday? I think the Chiefs are going to win. I, I don't really agree with the the Eagles haven't been favored all week. Um, I think anytime you're starting from starting point of Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and Travis Kelsey are all in this game, therefore the Chiefs should be favorites. That's your starting point, and and I'm I'm not seeing a reason to flip it the other way. As a fellow Irishman, I have brought these for you. The people on the podcast will not see this, but it's a very crumpled bag of Tito. That is a that is very there. flat bag of Tito. It is, I'm sorry. That's man. fantastic. It's the, uh, Thank you very much. It can just be, it can just be framed. I, I, don't worry, I'll, I'll get you a bag at some point. Yeah, what do you mean at some point? Where's my bag now? Okay. <laughs> of, course he he of course he had an extra. Of course he had an extra. There we go. They are good. They're, they're good. They're, they're good crisps. I'll give it F- to you. Thank, thank you for that. And, and Sam, obviously thank you not, not just for your time now, but for your time down for the last few months and years. And it's great to meet you and obviously hear your... Uh, great thoughts in this game. I think the Chiefs are going to win. Nice. No problem, guys. Anytime. I've been picking the Eagles all week, and this is the first time where... I know. It's just... It's I'm being talked into it the other way. <laughs> Andy <laughs> Reid has two weeks to prepare for this game. He's yeah. going he's gonna to box everything off. The run game is going to be great. The Chiefs... And I like the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. I think the two-week thing is... A, is Everyone says, oh, Andy Reid. They always used to do this about Patriot Super Bowls. You give Bill Belichick two weeks to prepare for a game. Oh, think about what he's going to do. For me, it's about the opposition getting more time to prepare for that coach on the other side who you know is going to have something special to throw at them. Like, that's for me when the teams who beat, particularly in the Eagles, the teams who beat the Patriots in a Super Bowl, it, it was coaching and it was aggression and it was like, so actually, I'm not so sure on the two-week thing. I've rambled on. You'd already said goodbye and thank you. And I've, I've now continued this podcast. I'm sorry. I just love talking about football. At PFF Let's go. underscore scam. <laughs> underscore scam. At PFF. Don't say scam, Monson. After what he said earlier. Yeah, yeah, he's been hanging it's around been with Taylor Lewan for too long, long day, clearly. It's been a long day. But, uh, yeah. Thank you, my man.
Do we need to record an out for it as well? Or? We should probably do a quick two-second one. Yeah, Sam, yeah, here, man. Fine. Thank you so much. I really appreciate yeah, it, man. Sure. I, uh, Thanks, man. And here, yeah, I mean, the, the crisps are from... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Lovely stuff. Sam Monson joining us. That was good. Are we doing the Chiefs one then tomorrow or something? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do something. I think we're going to have a couple of special ones tomorrow. And then we might do, if we get time, then we might do a bumper game preview as you start opening well, your tattoos. Why are you putting more work into my day? Come I'm on, mate. I'm joking, I'm joking. Uh, not, look, at you're, you're doing that in badness because of the sound, aren't you? There we go. I mean, I was going to talk very quickly. Great crack at the media party last night. and just It's been a good week so far. Well, here, really, really great to see people... <laughs> he's got to stop eating these crisps. Yeah, the he's got he's to eat, he's gotta stop eating the crisps. Um, Great, great interaction all week. A lot of people getting their questions, bold predictions in yesterday, and um, a lot of people Look, in the UK and beyond are very, very excited for this game and, and, and interacting very well this week. And when you're here and you're interacting with, with the big Don. Big Reds, yeah, according to Jeff Reinbold. When the real big Reds <laughs> out here and you see you know, what a top operator I am with all these Americans. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I, have, I love it out here. This is, this is like, you know. Oh, here, hold on. NFL honors tomorrow night because it's unlikely I'm going to get a podcast out before it happens. Okay. Who's going to be MVP? I'm going to say Patrick Mahomes. Jalen Hurts. Nope. Patrick Mahomes. Jalen Hurts is the MVP. I'm going to I'm going to clip this for Friday morning. I'm going to post it UK time. So it could be right. It could be wrong. <laughs> and we'll see what happens. No, I. I just I don't want it to be so obvious. What about Rookie of the Year? Uh, offensive Rookie of the Year. Brock Purdy. No. The votes happened before the Eagles game. Brock Purdy came in and had a seven-game stretch just before the votes were done, which was better than any other rookie this season. Don't get me wrong. I love... Who else? Uh, like, you I caused a real storm. I remember you said it on Twitter. Oh, it, it, is, is Chris Olave not up for it? Uh, I, no, he's not. He's not. It, it's Chris Olave who Brock Purdy essentially took his place. Uh, it's the wide receiver out of the Jets. Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson, who's superb. Um, I think Kenneth Sauce Gardner wins the defensive one. I, 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 Sauce Gardner I like. I actually think Kenneth, uh, uh, Walker. Uh, Kenneth Walker probably wins it. I think he had more consistent season. Garrett Wilson was brilliant at fits and starts. He had bad quarterback play, which doesn't help him. I think that actually it's going to be... I, 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 I suspect it will be uh, Kenneth Walker, but for me it's Brock Purdy. Right, finally, 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 finally. And he, by the way, his impact... When Josh Johnson came into that game, who's a guy who knows that scheme well and been in it three separate times, and when obviously there's no quarterback whatsoever, people were like, oh, it's a call, you know, Carl Shannon, I could run that system, I could do that. It proved that not everyone could do that. Coach of the year? Well, I think that's the hardest. I, I think that I is think by Brian far the hardest. Deserves, I, I think, you know, to look at what they've done over, you know, outside of that playoff game against the Eagles, what they were able to do, Will, was just... Incredible, but I can see why Doug Peterson would be given it, and I can also see why Shanahan because Shanahan worked with four quarterbacks over the year. I mean, I, I, we'll call it we'll call it three really because in the time it was voting, it was three. And to do what he did with a third string quarterback is incredible, but the talent around him, I think, will will do him down. People prefer a rags to riches, worst to first type situation. I know they weren't quite that, but the Giants going to the playoffs and winning a playoff game, Dayball. I mean, you look at that game that he played against the Packers, and at that point, we thought the Packers were still a good team. But even so, that game they played against Packers in London just showed what coaching can do for you. It's Dable. It, it, I think it's Dable. But I like Peterson, Peterson as well. well so Peterson came into this, the, the worst possible situation yeah. and turned it around overnight. But when you're comparing him to the guy who was there, 
it's probably fair enough. Yeah. It's funny that you're talking about the Packers, but we actually all have something in common with Aaron Rodgers next week. We're all going on a four-day retreat and we're turning our phones off. Um, it's it's going to be great crack. And I, can, I, can I just publicly say... Are you not going to ask me about Defensive Player of the Year? I, I, I am in a second. <laughs> I, I just want to, I, while I'm looking at the FanDuel thing at the back, I want to just call out Pat McAfee for calling me Paddy Football today. <laughs> Uh, and then he hey, seen me the after. He goes, "Oh, guy. Michael, sorry, sorry." Paddy Michael. football. That's very funny. Um, also, <laughs> after ch- chatting to Kay Adams, his producer, uh, Matt. Oh, Matt, great for, guy. For a really great guy. Here, big we'll Chiefs get him on guy. We'll, we'll get him on Stock Chiefs tomorrow. Definitely get him on. He was wiped when I saw him later. I told him, I said, "I've, I've met and interviewed Kay five, six times over the years." Uh, she follows me on Twitter. That's not a humble brag. It's just part of the story. I'm, I don't think she knows my name still because she only she refer she only refers to me as Tormund. She only refers to me as the big ginger fella from Game of Thrones. And I told this to him, and he laughed. And then today, that was yesterday. And then today, Kay was doing a shot on a radio station just behind us. Matt was over there. I went over to see if we could get Kay on because we would be we'd been talking about trying to sort yeah. it out over the week. Kay finishes the hit and I'm chatting to Matt and Kay stands up from her seat, turns around and just goes, Tormund! And runs over and gives me a big hug. And I'm like, How did I miss this? And Matt absolutely lost his mind. He thought it was the funniest thing he'd ever seen because I think I think maybe he thought that the British guy was giving him a, bit, a little bit of bullshit. And I was not. It was all true. I'll try and get you on Pat McAfee tomorrow down this forum and then we'll see how it goes. Get me on Pat McAfee. Yeah, I'm going I'm to ask him in the morning for the crack. Um, here, very, very quickly. So you want to go offense player of the year? Uh, Justin Jefferson, hands down. Yeah, it's it's. I think he might win it outright. What about defensive player here? It's Nick Bosa. But have you have you been to Bosa Donuts yet? No. Apparently, it's like the Bonuts. 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 This is what happens, folks, when you work for eleven hours straight on radio. eleven hours straight. You have, but you literally said it in the call there night. But um, no, look, obviously. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be really really good crack tomorrow. Do stick around. We've got a few more podcasts coming out this week before the big game on Sunday, man. And, and do, do you know what I actually think is an interesting one? Hmm. Assistant coach of the year because D'Amico Ryan's and Ben Johnson both up for it. Ben Johnson turned down head coaching roles. D'Amico Ryan's got himself a head coaching role. They both coached the hell out of their units this year. I think that's and Shane Steichen's up for it as well. But Shane Steichen had a lot more talent. That, I think he'll have the same problem that D'Amico uh, could be interesting. Um, I mean, D- D'Amico Ryan's and what he's going to do in Houston is almost a podcast series in itself. And I, I'm, I'm predicting a quick turnaround there. I really am. Two years, and I think they'll be a relevant team. Wow. If Bryce Young works out, because I think they'll get Bryce Young. We're, we're going to clip this up for social, mate. <laughs> going to clip it up. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think that's awesome. All right, love it. Love it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for being involved in the Gridiron Show. Lovely to do it with my man, Michael McQuaid. Lovely Hashtag to do it down on Radio SB. Row. Gonna go get myself some sleep, uh, some wings, and then some sleep. No, uh, you're not. You'll yeah. be at the media party again tonight. Uh, absolutely not. Thank you so much for listening, engaging, watching, texting us. Get just uh, honestly, uh, like I know Mike was jokingly complaining about uh, working these long days, but he's brilliant when we see the interaction from back home that keep, uh, keeps us going and keeps us Thank you, folks. in a good mood. Love you all. Thank you for having us. Thank you for watching and listening. This has been the Gridiron Show. 